fries. Treading water that they drown. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Welcome to episode 24 of the Smash Expect podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Dad FF. And I'm going to introduce my co-hosts here. Before I do that, you know, we have a great guest on, but we'd be remiss without saying, you know, there's a lot of scary and, and serious things going on with the news today. Uh, at Smash Accept Podcast, we've been there, you know, through COVID, through all the other things as a distraction. You know, we're a fantasy football podcast. We're not going to get into politics, but we really wanted to say, you know, we, we debated if we should go on, if we shouldn't. But we wanted to put this out there for you guys to just take an hour, talk with, you know, listen to us talk fantasy football, talk about 2021 rookies today, the stuff that's a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more exciting. So um, let's jump right into it. I want to introduce uh, Mung. Why don't you tell everybody where you can find them, see how everything's going today. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung, M-E-N-G. And, uh, you know, you guys always tag us in trades and stuff. And I always respond with to Debbie questions with, you know, I've just started looking into the 2021 rookie class. Uh, I don't watch a ton of college ball, so I'm really excited to uh, hear from our guest and kind of, you know, take a back seat this week and hear from him. Also, our weekly staple, Mr. Playoff John. How you doing tonight? Yeah, doing really well. Great to be here and appreciate the distraction myself. And, you know, I've been actually jumping on this and doing my research on the class, but really want to fine-tune that here, really respect Matt Hicks quite a bit and looking forward to getting some of his insights here as we prepare. I love the offseason, as as you guys know, as much as the regular season. This, this is what – separates dynasty from your redrafts and getting prepped for the offseason is so much fun so looking forward to this right separating the uh the men from the boys and speaking of that you know our guest tonight had him on when we were, th- we were with the dynasty refinery he's in the udpl2 with myself and, and, and the other guys in here fantastic dynasty mind debbie mind when it comes to talking about rookies He's the guy that I go to. And we have Matt Hicks from NFL at NFL Draft Bible today. How you doing today, Matt? Good, good. I really appreciate being on here. Uh, obviously a, a really tough day overall, but we are uh, we are in the midst of, of rookie season. Uh, I've been uh, grinding film on this class since last summer. And so now we're starting to get into the time when uh, some of these names are becoming popular. We're getting the arguments on Twitter and folks – are starting to get really invested in it. So in that sense, you know, I'm thankful to be here and be able to start talking about uh, rookies because this is uh, this is my time of the year. I, I love, you know, I love playing in all the leagues. Like we mentioned, a team fell apart in UDPL too, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, this, this is the highlight of the year for me. Yeah, both of our teams. You know, we were one and two neck and neck the whole time, and then we had to face each other in the playoffs, and then it just kind of, you know, it, it went downhill there. But, uh, you know, it was great competing with you. It's great, you know, getting to know the guys on there, and that's what I like playing in that league, and it, it's fantastic. Um, one of the podcasts that you guys were running at, at the Dynasty Draft Room, absolutely love that, listen to it all the time. Why don't you tell people what you have going on, you know, and, and what's evolving with what you're doing? Yeah, I'll try to keep it. Uh, I'll try to keep it quick because there's a lot going on right now. Uh, but we are essentially Dynasty Draft Room has just uh, merged with the NFL Draft Bible, which is going to come with some pretty awesome uh, additional things that we're not broadcasting too widely yet. Um, but what I would urge folks is if you enjoy these conversations, uh, if you enjoy talking about Devi, myself and John Lobb, uh, the Gridiron Scholar, if you're familiar with John's work, we'll be doing a weekly Devi show year round uh, starting uh, next week. Uh, so it, we all we will be operating under a new name in the podcast feed. But if you're subscribed to Dynasty Draft Room, or even if you want to go subscribe now, uh, we're going to flip over all that branding this weekend. Actually, and it'll be the NFL Draft Bible Podcast Network. Uh, what I will say on top of that, though, if rookies is your game and, and you're really excited by what I'm talking about, or you're looking to get an edge next year, actually, a brand new podcast that I've just started. I just released the trailer yesterday. The first episode is going to be recorded tomorrow and released. It's called the Rookie Big Board Podcast. 
I'm excited. I'm going to be talking rookies year-round. So it's going to be pre-draft, keeping up on them and their value through summer and training camp, and then really trying to get ahead of some of these conversations we're having in September, uh, you know, when uh, Justin Jefferson breaks out. Uh, hopefully you didn't trade him early, right? Or, you know, what do I pay for James Robinson now? We'll be really tracking that value throughout the entire summer. We're going to kind of do it in a fun way. So, you know, from what we're talking about today, I think Rookie Big Board Podcast, that's what I'm going to urge folks to go check out. Like I said, official first episode should be out uh, back half of this week. But, you know, all my work at the FF underscore educator on Twitter or Patreon.com backslash the FF educator. It's great stuff. You guys got to make sure you go out and follow him. Um, you know, his Twitter feed's always blowing up. He has the great content out there. And we wanted to have you on this week, Matt, because what we want to talk about is we want to talk about some of these first round, maybe the first 12 to 16 rookies as we are right now. You know, we're not going to do the deep dives. We're not going to, you know, try to find our third round bargains. But it is 2021. And we, now we want to talk about what to do with these 2021 picks. Because last year, a lot of people were saying, well, it's just a late first. I'm going to kind of put that in there. And you ended up giving up guys like Justin Jefferson, Justin Herbert, you know, some real studs in that late first round. And this class looks to be fantastic as well. You know, it might not have some of those same same amount of running backs, but I mean, it is a fantastic first group of 12 to 16 that we're going to talk today. And I'm super excited about it. I know these guys are as well. Um, the other thing I want to do throughout is kind of compare guys to the 2020 class, you know, give guys an idea of where they can where they fit in there. So let's just jump right into it. Let's start with quarterbacks. I mean, obviously, the talk of the town is Trevor Lawrence. He's been for years. I'm in a startup right now, and he went 107, you know, and he is 107 already. You know, we're talking about uncharted territories. I was always predicting that he'd be, you know, early second. We're talking he's going at 107 before he even plays a game, you know. Just how good is Trevor Lawrence? And is there, you know, how much is the gap between him and the QB2? I hear a lot of people, you know, I was listening to Travis May and Thor um, talking a little bit today where it was almost 1A, 1B. Some people have a big gap. Talk to me a little bit about how good Lawrence is and how close Fields is in that class for you. Yeah, first off, I'll say Travis and Thor are both good analysts. So uh, okay, anything nice. they say is, is probably a good take. But uh, for me, you know, and I've kind of been on record as saying this a few times that uh, – I do think Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback prospect than Justin Fields. Uh, I'm pretty convinced of that. That being said, I don't think Justin Fields is as far behind Trevor Lawrence as we necessarily think he is. We've kind of put Trevor Lawrence on this pedestal early on, and for good reason. I mean, he's got a lot of what we're looking for, 6'6", 210. That in and of itself is a really good foundation to start with big arm. He's not a scrambling quarterback by any means, but he has a, the mobility. And we've seen from a fantasy football perspective, you don't have to be Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. You could be Dak Prescott, right? And just get six touchdowns a year and you're going to be a top five quarterback in that sense. Uh, and Trevor Lawrence has the mobility to do that. He has excellent mechanics. So Trevor Lawrence, uh, kind of the, the buzz phrase you're going to hear a ton is he's the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, which is probably true. <laughs> I see it. You're rocking it. I like it. The Andrew Luck jersey. So there's a lot of reason to be excited about Trevor Lawrence. 107, that's that's rich. That's high, even in a super flex startup. And I'm the guy that's that's getting quarterbacks in the first couple rounds of, of a super flex startup in UDPL. I, I just looked. I have Lamar and Russell Wilson. You know, I always go early with quarterback. So you're setting the bar really high for yourself. What I would urge folks to remember when they're deciding when they're going to draft him, just remember he is still going to be a rookie. It's most likely going to be in Jacksonville. There's some weapons there, but there's going to be a brand new coaching staff in there. And there's already some instability there with the owner, Shad Khan, and, and what it's going to look like with the GM and how power is going to be distributed. So uh, just he could, he could be a QB1 in his first year. Absolutely could. But he's a rookie quarterback. He's going to need time to develop. That being said, Justin Fields, for me, not that far behind. He's been knocked this year because of his mental processing. I got to tell you, that's a problem for every college quarterback. And there's things that he's going to need to fix at the next level, no doubt. There's mental processing mistakes that Trevor on Trevor Lawrence's tape, too. Uh, and they're there and they're apparent. Um, that being said, Justin Fields has the best mechanics in the class. They're better than Trevor Lawrence's. Uh, he's got a fantastic arm, just as good, if not better. And at times, his accuracy and his touch on his ball 
is ridiculous. And what Justin Fields can do, I mentioned Trevor Lawrence's mobility. Justin Fields is an athlete. You can run designed running plays for him from the quarterback position. You can run a convincing read option or RPO, either one of those types of offenses with Justin Fields, which is what he does at Ohio State. So uh, Justin Fields is up there. Like I said, I do think Trevor Lawrence is higher, but um, the, the gap is not as strong or as far as I think some folks think it is. Well, we're talking about two of the high, highest recruited high school athletes ever, right? And they both come out and they actually exceed expectation, which is ridiculous. That doesn't and, happen. And they've and, been fighting with each other since George, since uh, high school. They were both quarterback prospects out of the state of Georgia, played each other in high school. They're very familiar with each other, and they keep meeting up in these big games. We're talking about highly competitive guys. I mean, Lawrence has only lost to Burrow and you know, and Fields and Fields has only lost the one game to Lawrence. And to me, you know, I'm 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 want to pass it over to the experts, but we're talking about guys that are pretty closely related. And we're seeing in startups the 102 isn't going until mid third. You know, we're talking about you can take mid first, you get Trevor Lawrence, or you can wait till the mid third and possibly get Justin Fields. And John's been talking a lot about the other two quarterbacks, you know, or other three quarterbacks in that top four or five. Um, John, why don't you take over on that? Well, yeah. So, Matt, I've been tracking you, following you on Twitter, and it looks like you do have a top four with Zach Wilson and Trey Lance as the other guys that are building a lot of excitement right now. Is that right? And how would you get? How would you kind of rank those guys versus the other two? Is it is it a is it a major teardrop, or how do you how are you evaluating kind of pros and cons of those other two? Yeah, I think you know if you're thinking about it in tiers, which is always a good way to draft. You know, you have Trevor Lawrence up there as the one, Justin Fields as the 1B, and, and it's not too much of a drop-off between those two. I think once you get past those two, you get past um, really that high, high-end ceiling. Now, I love Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance is the, as the highest ceiling of anybody in this class in terms of what he can develop and be. Huge arm extremely mobile, um, you know, much more mobile than than even what I've described for Lawrence or Fields, even though they're both mobile guys. Uh, powerful athlete, too. Uh, I've heard a lot of different comps for Trey Lance, and I don't love comps, but he reminds me a lot of Josh Allen, and I say that in a good way. I like Josh Allen coming out. Josh Allen was raw coming out. Trey Lance is going to be raw coming out. Um, I don't want him to start in the first year. I don't want him to probably start until at least halfway through his second year. So I hope he lands in a system that's going to be patient and give him time. I, but like I said, he's your ceiling pick. And I have him in a lot of Debbie leagues, and I'm excited to have him in a lot of Debbie leagues. But just know if you use that 103, that 104, 105, he's not helping you year one. I, I, I don't think he will be. The other guy to mention in that top tier, that next tier, I should say, is Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, for me, is a safer pick. I think he's going to come to the NFL. I think he's going to be a good starting quarterback. I'm not sure he's ever really going to get over the hump. He's a gunslinger, and I love that about quarterbacks. I want my NFL quarterback to be a gunslinger. But at that same time, the windows that he's throwing with his arm talent and his decision-making, he can get away with it at BYU, playing against Mountain West defenders. Uh, and I don't like to beat up on the group of five. I, I think there's really good competition in the group of five. But the types of windows and situations that he gets away with, yeah, it's going to take an adjustment in the NFL. But I think he's going to end up being a solid starting quarterback. Uh, and he's also not as athletic and mobile as I think we think he is, uh, just because he's creative with his arm slants, his angles, he moves the pocket, uh, and he puts up some fantastic plays. But he's not a pure runner. He's not a pure athlete. And if you really break down that BYU tape, he cannot process a read option. Uh, they, they try to run those a lot. He can't process and read that correctly. So he can move the pocket. You're not doing design runs for him at the quarterback position. The guy I like to compare him to in a lot of ways, and I'm going to throw this comp out there, and you may get excited about Zach Wilson or you may not get excited about it. He reminds me a lot of Baker Mayfield. Uh, in terms of his throwing style, in terms of his level of mobility. I think we all thought Baker was a little bit more mobile than he actually was coming out. And I think at this point, three years in, Baker is who he is, and that's a, a solid mid-range QB2 in fantasy football. Don't know he'll ever be more than that. Um, but, you know, that's not the worst thing either. I will say, uh, and I've been pretty adamant about that, past those four guys, the drop-off is there. 
Um, with quarterbacks, I'm not excited about Kyle Trask. I'm not excited about Mac Jones. Uh, there's some developmental guys that I'd like later on, um, but I wouldn't invest high draft cap on them. Guys like Desmond Ritter I'm excited about. Um, but for me, I, I do not expect to have Kyle Trask or Mac Jones on either one of my teams. Being a good college quarterback does not always equate to being a good NFL quarterback. Uh, and those two guys have some serious flaws on their tape when it comes to translating to the NFL. I love it, Matt. Uh, question here is, let's say the big three in this class versus the big three in the 2020 class. How do you slot, slot those six guys? I mean, where would you say in an evaluation, everything equal right now? Where would you put Lawrence, Herbert, Burrow, Tua, you know, and Fields? And where, where do you slot them for people that are, are saying, you know what, I really want a share of Justin Herbert. What should I give, you know, or a, a, a share of Trevor Lawrence? What should I pay up from guys that I already have on my team? I mean, I'm always a guy that says, trust the known commodity. But where would you slot these guys if you were drafting today? That's a really good question. I think that's always a really good way to look at things. Uh, when it comes to thinking about them in buckets or tiers, right, it's Lawrence and Fields at the top of this one. And I would put them in that same bucket of Burrow into a last year. And I know Burrow had uh, a little bit more success right away on the field this year. But I've been impressed with what uh, Tua has done with limitations in his play calling, uh, with, I mean, I, I don't know if he was throwing to a non-UDFA by the end of the season there. Um, and, and the playbook was not open for him. Um, and, and I understand that from a coaching perspective. So I'm still very high on Tua. He was my QB1 last year, Burrow being my QB2, uh, and Herbert being right there at QB3. So if I was to still rank them, um, I would have Lawrence probably one. It would be hard not to put him above Tua. Then I would have Tua right there. Um Gosh, Burrow and Fields, very equal for me. I might actually give a slight edge to Fields over Burrow. Um, and then I would go Herbert, and then I would go um, with the rest of the quarterbacks in this year's class. But I've always been very bullish on Herbert. So there might be some folks – well, I think most people have come around probably on, on Herbert yeah. at this point. But I was very bullish on him last year as well. Love it. Monk. Yeah, uh, I think Mung has a question here for you that we wanted to talk about. That's great analysis. Uh, keep going here. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's just dive right into it. Uh, something that's going to be talked about, I think, probably all offseason and even leading into next year is there's going to be a, a ton of debate between Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith. And for me, I see Chase as in that tier above where, you know, if we're comping to 2020, I was a big fan of Jalen Rager coming out and Rager, uh, you know, by transition remind me a lot of Odell Beckham. And that's also who Jamar Chase reminds me a lot of is that, you know, some, are, do you also have Chase above Smith? And if so, how far are we talking either way? That's a really good question. So uh, for me right now, and so um, actually I mentioned, you know, the, the name of my new podcast is The Rookie Big Board. It's based off this, uh, what I actually have put together, and I actually rank all of the players uh, in this in this year's draft in a, in a big board for my patrons. And so what I have here, um, I rank them, and I do rank them in order of super flex. And for most folks, it's the running backs over any wide receiver. And by the time we get to the draft, I probably will have the two running backs over my top wide receiver. But at least for now, I've been specifically leaving in that three slot right behind Lawrence and Fields. I've been specifically leaving Jamar Chase in there because it's a reminder to not forget about what we saw in 2019. I think it's natural tendency. It's so easy. Uh, because Jamar Chase opted out of this season to say, you know, uh, it's been a year, you know, was what we saw really him? Was it the Joe Brady offense? You know, really, what was it? And for me, Jamar Chase is one of the most well-rounded prospects out there. 6'1", 200, some of the best hands we've seen from a college prospect in a while. Great contested catchability, and I want to put a caveat on that because contested catchability is something that, I, from a fantasy football perspective, I actually have been devaluing because a lot of the times it's really just an indication of lack of separation, but it's not for Jamar Chase. The way he separates at the catch point, given his size, uh, he has very good body positioning, he has very good ball tracking, he, he reads the ball very well, and 
probably the best route running in the class from the wide receiver position. That's something that's very important for me. It's something that a lot of folks talked about for Jerry Judy last year, but it was actually one of my favorite things about CeeDee Lamb last year was route running ability. So for me, it is Jamar Chase. And I want to preface this next point by saying I like Devonta Smith. I do. I was so hyped when he won the Heisman back last year. I thought he would declare for the draft last year. And I was putting him in first-round mock drafts last year. I kept trying to slot him to Green Bay at the back half of the first round. I think Green Bay is not going to get a shot at him this year, though, unfortunately. But that being said, I have two wide receivers in between Jamar Chase and Devonta Smith. And those are Jalen Waddell and Terrace Marshall in that order. Uh, Jalen Waddell, for me, is a really, really uh, special talent. 5'10", 182. He's going to go, and assuming he's fully healthy, and it sounds like he will be, he's going to go and he's going to light up the combine. He's going to have one of the best 40 times. But he's more than just speed. He's His hands are ridiculous. He has no weaknesses to his game. A really, really well-rounded prospect that grades out very similar. Uh, literally, um, Jamar Chase grades out as an 87-2 for me. That's very, very high on my scale. Jalen Waddle is an 87-1. So I consider them both very high. And the guy that I think a lot of folks are going to sleep on, especially because he's probably going to be a late first round, early second round, probably going to go in that T. Higgins range of last year, is Terrace Marshall. Uh, Not a lot of folks are paying attention to the idea that this wide receiver class is not tall uh, and is not very lengthy, as talented as it is. Uh, Terrace Marshall is 6'3", 200. He's got the length to play at 6'4", 6'5", but he's got the speed that doesn't slow him down. Really good hands, really good route running ability, uh, and he's really good at the catch point. The way that he can move all around the field is a really valuable aspect. LSU played him inside. Terrace Marshall, remember, was producing with high numbers despite being on the field with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase in 2019, and then still performed at a high level this year, uh, even though he was the only guy in an offense with terrible quarterback play and that was really struggling. I mean, we saw LSU went from a national championship team to a bottom SEC West team. So, But consistent through that was Terrace Marshall. He was on pace to set SEC records before uh, you know COVID slowed down the, the longevity of the season. And so for me, Terrace Marshall is the guy that you're going to get a ton of value on. Um, So although I like Devonta Smith, and I would use a late first-round pick on Devonta Smith, he's nine on my board right now, I think he might go a little bit higher than that in rookie drafts. So I don't know how much of him I will get, um, but I certainly wouldn't be upset uh, getting him on my team either. I'm seeing a lot of people right now have have Chase and Smith in that same tier. And and to me, I think Chase puts himself in another another level. I mean, what he was able to do, you got to look at breakout age. I mean, he was 19 when he was doing what Smith did this year, right? And Smith just turned 22. He was 21.8 when he broke out. Um, so the biggest difference there is just what Chase was able to do with Joe Burrow in 2019. I mean, everyone fell in love, and you knew this was going to come up, but they fell in love with Justin Jefferson this year. A lot of people, um, you know, including Izzy Alcafaz, who we're going to have on the show, has Justin Jefferson as the dynasty wide receiver one, you know, overall. After that 1,400-yard season, that's just remarkable. But if you look at what they did, the two of them together in 2019, is Jefferson, you know, at age 20, put up 1,540 yards, 18 touchdowns, and 13 yards per reception. Fantastic season, right? But Jamar Chase in 2019, at 19 years old, 1,780 yards, 20 touchdowns, 21.2 yards per reception, blew us away, right? SEC records, yeah, SEC records. If we are saying that... Justin Jefferson is the wide receiver one. And I'm not saying that, but he's got to be in that top six conversation when we're talking dynasty, when you throw in age, when you throw in the comparison there. What are we willing to say on Chase is the ceiling? I mean, this is like <laughs> so exciting, right? Like this is the biggest, we say Trevor Lawrence is the, the the most sure thing prospect since Andrew Luck. I mean, Jamar Chase, have we seen this recently? I mean, we've had great wide receivers, but in the last couple of classes, I still have to almost put him at the top. Yeah, yeah, it's a really interesting conversation. I think if we compare the last couple classes, I think C.D. Lamb is still my favorite prospect overall. I love C.D. Lamb. Uh, Jamar Chase is, is right up there in that two to three, though. And I think one of the things that 
separates Jamar Chase. And I know we mentioned Jalen Rager a little bit earlier or uh, some of these other guys. You can run an offense through Jamar Chase. And maybe not year one, right? But you can run an offense through Jamar Chase. So his landing spot, uh, it, it doesn't affect his value as much as some other guys, right? Henry Ruggs last year. I liked Henry Ruggs a lot. He went to Vegas. <laughs> that that love affair, you know, uh, took a little bit of a hit in some ways because he wasn't a guy you wanted to run your offense through. And I'll say that same thing for Devonta Smith at this point in time. Um, I love him as the wide receiver too on a team, right? That's why I wanted him to go to Green Bay. I want uh, I want the coverage, the top coverage, to be pulled off of him. That really physical defensive back on your team that's going to you know really jam you at the line of scrimmage really play you tight be physical with you uh which is really the only ways that devonta smith gets hurt with his size right it's he can get um out physical uh at the nfl level um so if devonta smith ends up on a team where they expect the offense to go through him to start right he ends up in miami even with devonta parker that's not super exciting for me jamar chase ends up in miami all right, well, you know, I can buy into that because now I'm thinking of Tua's arm and hitting Jamar Chase and the type of big targets that he wants. So it's going to be interesting. Landing spot's always really important. But when you come, when you talk about surefire prospects, you want guys that are a little bit more landing spot proof. And you saw that last year with guys like CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb went to an offense with Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, and he still, even with Andy Dalton and I think Ben DiNucci at one point throwing him the ball, he still put up, I think, eight 900 yards this season. So um, you want those kinds of prospects that are able to succeed no matter the situation that they're put in. Yeah, I love that you said – potential of of chase hooking up with Tua you know and Tua has been that guy John and I have been on buying Tua and and people seem very down on it you know and in the dynasty market also myself in the in the football card market is you know we're able to buy Tua at a discount right now if he gets a guy I mean obviously Chan Gailey's gone going to be getting a new offensive coordinator if he gets a guy like Jamar Chase or he gets Smith or or Waddle and some of these other guys I mean open up that playbook and I'm totally on board with what you said about Tua and you know, we're, we're like, we love Tua at smash except um, John has another wide receiver. He wanted to, to ask you about who's really looked fantastic. Yeah. And we got this national championship game coming up here. And, and so one of the guys on the other side of the, the Bama um, team, we got Chris Olave, who I know you've been talking quite a bit about and he's, he seems like a really sneaky talent to me. Um, what do you think of, of Chris Olave? And maybe are there a couple other guys that team people are sleeping on right now? Here's the value in this year's rookie draft. And I, I like to tweet this out. I tweet this out. I don't know. It, it's almost like I pre-schedule it every two months. And I just tell people, you know, today's a good day to buy second round rookie picks. Because it seems like yeah. every year we get to this point and I'm looking at the class and and no matter what order I put them in, there's always guys that I'm like, those are first-round rookie picks, and I can't yeah. squeeze them into the first round. And Alave is a really good example of that. He's 15 right now on my big board, but I think he has round one rookie draft value. He's a smooth athlete, speeds up quick. Um, I mean, his slant route is absolutely devastating i mean he breaks the slant route on you which we've seen you know that was one of the things we really hyped up about aj brown and aj brown is still uh absolutely tripping up defenders with that slant route and i'm not comparing those two players you know one for one but in the similar way he wins uh really good off the line of scrimmage which i really like to see from wide receiver prospects great ball tracking super super reliable hands there's nothing that will turn me off of a prospect quicker than drops, uh, concentration drops, or bad hands. Uh, do not have to worry about that uh, with Chris Olave. I think he's a really high f- uh, floor, maybe not as high ceiling of a prospect, um, but if, I, if I'm that team with the 102, 103, um, I'd be happy as I get into the second round to get a little bit safer of a value in Chris Olave. Uh, so I really, really like him. Um, I kind of projected him out to be a first-round pick in the NFL um, back in um, probably back in August, uh, which was a little bit of a hot take at the time, and it seems like that's kind of what we're pushing towards. I'm not sure the NFL quite likes him as a day-one guy yet. I think he's probably in that high day-two range, but I think we might get there as we get closer to the draft and some of these wide receivers run off the board early. 
but I got to tell you, you know, that is the sweet spot. I think there's a ton of wide receivers that are really good that you can get in the second round this year. Uh, Tylen Wallace is somebody I'm really high on. He's 14th overall on my big board. Amon Ross St. Brown is 20 on my big board. You know, he's a second-round guy. I wouldn't doubt it if Rondale Moore slips to the second round in some rookie drafts because of his injury history, but he's got a huge fantasy football upside. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we could we could talk uh, probably 15 wide receivers deep, and you'd still get some excited thoughts from me on guys in this year's class. It is a good wide receiver class. Deep class, yeah, I yeah. agree. Matt, you've been saying that and when when you, we had you on Dynasty Refinery, you said that exact same thing is go get those second round picks. And if people listen to you then, I mean, they have Antonio Gibson, they have T. Higgins, they got some great value in that second round. And that that's a great thing to talk about is first round picks are so hard to get right now, right? If you're trying to buy them, you're paying a king's ransom. If you're trying to get them in a startup, you know, people are taking those those first round picks ahead of players. You know, I saw guys choosing the 112 over Mike Evans, you know, and it's like they have that rookie fever. But then, you know, Mung's scratching his head over there like, that's ridiculous. Don't worry, I took Mike Evans in the startup. But that second round pick, everybody takes those top 12, and then all of a sudden they just back off. They say, well, that's a second round pick. And I started hammering the table down saying, I got to get some seconds here because these guys in evaluation, I mean, some of those studs are going to fall back, especially – we always talk super flex. So, I mean, when we're saying second round picks, these guys are falling back that way because there's potentially four quarterbacks could go in that first round, you know, and, and that's going to push things back. And there's some absolute stud running backs that are going to push that value back as well. Um, again, you know, just referencing this from, from last year, but you were huge on Najee Harris. You had Najee Harris probably higher than anyone that I, I knew when I was talking on draft Twitter and, and, you know, talking to people, things, and you absolutely nailed it. I mean, he has looked incredible this year. Um, it's a weaker class in general, but why don't you hit on some of these top guys, in particular Najee Harris and Travis Etienne? Yeah, man, for some reason we like to overthink Najee Harris, and I'm a tape guy, so I know there's a lot of analytics arguments against Najee Harris, and if you want to use analytics and help use that for context, I'm all about it, all right? I'm not the guy on Twitter railing against the analytics community, although I like to have fun with them sometimes. Uh, (laughs) But that being said, for me, you flip on the tape, and there is just nothing to not like about Najee Harris's game. he really is, for me, the undisputed running back one. He always has been. I like Travis Etienne. I'll talk about Etienne. But for me, Najee Harris is a ridiculous combination of size and athleticism. He is 6'2", 230. I'm going to repeat that because when you look at his tape, you don't think he's 230. But this man is 6'2", 230, and absolutely a yoked up 230 either. I don't think there's an ounce of fat on this man's body. Now, did you see uh, how he hurled the guy on in Notre Dame? It was like... A guy that size should not be able to do that. That was an incredible show of athleticism, that play in general. You want to know what's bad? I wasn't even that surprised when I saw that play. Everyone's freaking out on Twitter, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, if, you, if you're, if uh, you you know, I'm an SEC guy. I'm, I'm a graduate of the University of Tennessee, and so, you know, I, I, I'm very honed in on the SEC, and I've been watching this man do this for years. Um, but when you look at his tape, I mean, there's a next level of, of watching tape where you're literally just jumping out of your seat getting hype about a player, and that's what you get with Najee Harris. Um, ridiculous athleticism. You know, he moves all around the field, uh, changes direction very easily, hits holes hard, extremely uh, accelerates extremely well to the second level of the field. Uh, he's not going to be the fastest guy. You know, he's not going to go to the combine and run a low 4-4 or anything like that. Um, but you know, neither did Josh Jacobs. I think Josh Jacobs is still running his 40 uh, from the 2019 combine, and he's he's worked out just fine, also out of Alabama, of course. Um, but he hits the whole heart. He's super physical. Uh, he runs through, literally runs through SEC linebackers. And one thing I always say is that an SEC linebacker is the closest you could get to playing NFL football on a Saturday. You know, those guys are big, they're athletic, they're strong, they're some of the most talented players in the country, and Najee Harris makes them look absolutely pitiful. Um, There is actual tape of Najee Harris throwing a defensive back off of him. These are real things that I've seen. It's superhuman, guys. Um, 
But on top of you guys aren't watching this, I mean, if you guys aren't watching live, (laughs) Matt, Matt, when he talks about Najee Harris lights up, it's that like that meme you see where you're like, find someone who looks at, you know, your girl like that. He's like, find someone who Matt Hicks looks at like it's Najee Harris. I mean, he is glowing when he's talking about this. And and I, I totally agree with you. I mean, he's looks fantastic. Um, Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, where would they rank? You know, you knew I was going to go there. You know, we're trying to compare guys to 2020. I mean, with Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, DeAndre Swift, JK Dobbins, Akers, where would you slot those guys in now that we've seen what they can do in the NFL based off of what these, you know, these two phenomenal running backs are going to come in looking like? This one's a little bit easier because we actually originally thought Harris and Etienne would have both declared for last year's draft. So we have a little bit of an idea of where we would have placed these guys. And I had Najee Harris and Etienne in the same top tier, uh, really big tier one that included DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, uh, J.K. Dobbins, um, and actually those three guys. Uh, And pre-draft, Edward Hilaire was not in that same tier one for me obviously a fantastic landing spot that bumps him up. But, you know, if we're, if we're comparing apples to apples here, we have to think about them as pre-landing spot type prospects. So in terms of just pure running backs, I would take Harris. Um, I would probably go Swift, Taylor, Dobbins. I'm sorry, Swift, Dobbins, Taylor, Harris, then Etienne, then Edward Zilaire, then Cam Akers, who I know is a guy who gets um, added to that conversation a lot too. So they're right in there. But here's the thing. Going into your rookie drafts this year, you need to look at positional value. Um, and th- there's a lot of running backs that I like in this class, but it's it's falling off a cliff in value when you get from Harris to Etienne. It's not like last year where you can get can makers cheap in the second round. Um, you know, and, and you don't want to get caught reaching in the way. Uh, you know, everybody, I was high on, on Keyshawn Vaughn, but I wasn't late first round high on Keyshawn Vaughn, which is everyone who's salty about making that pick. Uh, it's because they reached on him late first round, and you don't want to get stuck in that spot. Um, so you invest high in Harris or Etienne, or you wait until the second, mid to late second round when you're going to get some of these other running backs who I do think are good. So that's, you you know, in a super flex league, you're probably using 103 or 104 on running back, and then you probably don't want to touch him again until maybe 203, 204. So there's a pretty big gap there. Yeah, Matt, that's super helpful to hear you rank those guys. When you get past Harris and ETN, who are some of the other running back prospects to keep an eye on, though? I I personally like what I've seen from Javante Williams from UNC and Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis, but I know you've also mentioned Javion Hawkins might be in that running back three territory or a guy like C.J. Verdell at Oregon. What do you like about some of those guys? How do you rank in some of those that next tier of running backs? Yeah, I promise I'm not just trying to pitch this new pod that I'm doing, but this is literally the first first I'm talking about. So I have this whole argument outlined talking about who is, you know, quote, the best of the rest, right? And and that's, first off, you could talk to 10 guys, 10 different people studying tape, uh, and you're probably going to get six or seven different answers for who's the running back three. I'll tell you the most popular narrative out there is Javante Williams. And I like Javante Williams. Um, some people are putting him above Etienne, even above Harris. That's that's really rich for me, um, and and I you know we'll break that down in more detail um, in that in the rookie big board podcast. But uh, in that running back three slot for me right now is Javian Hawkins out of Louisville. That's not a popular answer that you're going to get from a lot of folks, but I love Javian Hawkins. One of the reasons he's still flying under the radar is because he played in a super quirky offense in Louisville. Uh, they were really, really run heavy, um, but they, they did it in a really odd way. Cunningham, um, their quarterback, it was a very run heavy quarterback system, even though he he was a good he was a good rushing quarterback, but not ridiculous. But Hawkins, you know, he kind of um, got hidden a little bit, but he has flashes of incredible upside. And that's what I'm looking for in the second round of my rookie drafts. Give me the upside. Explosive, really consistent athleticism. He navigates really well behind an offensive line that, trust me, did him no favors. That Louisville offensive line got overwhelmed. Here's the thing, though. And, and for some folks who who have been playing Debbie a little while or maybe heard of Javion Hawkins when he first got to Louisville – he came to Louisville, I believe, at a buck fifty-five, soaking wet. He was small, and a lot of folks are still carrying that narrative with him. He is one ninety-six now. 
And this man is a yoked up 196. I mean, like seriously compact, strong. He has some of the best contact balance in the class. He, his contact balance is is scored for me very close to Harris and Javante Williams, who that's one of their best features. Javion Hawkins does not go down. He, he really does not go down. And for me, if you combine that, that uh, speed acceleration with contact balance, and the only reason he's not jumping off the stat sheet at folks who are really honed in on numbers, he doesn't have pass-catching numbers. Because like I said, Louisville doesn't throw the ball. When they did, they had two good wide receivers uh, in Des Fitzpatrick and Tutu Atwell that they could throw the ball to. So Hawkins doesn't get very many targets, but when he does, he shows reliable hands. And that's one thing that I always tell people not to get tripped up on. Don't knock a prospect for not catching the ball if his offense doesn't ask him to catch the ball. I was a little bit of the A.J. Dillon effect from last year. Everyone said A.J. Dillon didn't have hands. He's got hands. They just didn't ask him to use his hands. So it's a little bit, you know, you have to remove the prospect from the system as much as you can. And so Javion Hawkins, for me, is my running back three. Javante Williams is there at four. I do like Javante Williams, just not quite as much as uh, some other guys. And I won't keep ranting, but one name just to know and remember is Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech. He's one of my biggest risers from this season. Love it. Before we move in, and we were talking upside, and there's one more position, obviously, we're going to talk to. But before we go any further with that, we got some exciting news. You know, we're we're launching our Smash Accept 14 Team Superflex Listener League. We're going to do two separate leagues, and we're going to just, you know, you guys to get entered, you go in, you leave us a review, send a screenshot to that, and we're going to pick some names randomly. So, you know, we that first set on that first week, it was an overwhelming amount of of entries in there and thank you so much for that really appreciate that you know giving us those five-star reviews doesn't have to be five-star it could be four it could be three you know but leaving us those reviews um we appreciate that helps us move up the charts on itunes gets us a little bit more recognition but some of the names that that we we randomly chose out of there is joshua action that's at joshua action 90 uh at jared underscore celebrity uh ryan whose name is at Kel, Kel Z and Callie. And our fourth one that we're going to name this week is at Fantasy Hacker HD. Congratulations to you four guys. What it is, is it's an opportunity to play against your favorite Smash Accept analysts. You know, we have a group of, of 12 guys. We're going to split up into two leagues and you guys get a chance to play with us, you know, and that's the fun time of year. We enjoy interacting with you guys, you know, uh, Matt and I were duking it out in UDPL too. That's like a podcaster versus podcaster. We enjoy that but we also enjoy playing with you guys you know we enjoy interacting with you answering questions and just getting to know you guys a little bit better so congratulations to you four guys keep those reviews coming you know you can find us on all of your major podcasts apple spotify stitcher um hit us up on there and tight ends you know i know before we got on here mung had some questions he was thinking about tight ends this class looks a lot stronger than last year but mung why don't you hit him up with what you were thinking yeah, I mean, congrats to those who are uh, joining us in the listener leagues. And if you do end up in my league, you'll find out pretty quickly that I value tight ends very highly. And the reason for that is we've seen that there's just such a huge, huge teardrop behind Kelsey and Kittle. And we have those young up-and-coming prospects like Hawkinson and Noah Fant and some of these exciting guys. But, you know, looking over some of the Twitter winner polls, you know, more than half of teams had one of Kelsey or Waller. And, you know, if you're scrambling for production at that tight end position, it's just so hard to make that up, uh, you know, from the running backs and wide receivers. Matt, of course, we have to talk. We would be remiss if we did not talk about Kyle Pitts. Um, is he a truly elite prospect for you? Is he one of those game-changing tight ends who could be the next Kittle or Kelsey? Are you spending a first-round pick on him? you know, in non-tight end premium versus tight end premium. Uh, basically, how much do you love Pitts? Kyle Pitts is such an interesting uh, tape study. He really is. Um, he actually, it, it was not just him, um, but he kind of helped be the catalyst to an idea that I had kind of had studying prospects. Every year I go in and, and I, you know, retweak my system for how I study prospects. I learn from my mistakes, figure out how to adjust for value, and one of the things was that I was having trouble really valuing these guys that I wasn't sure what position they would really play in the NFL. 
you know, obviously they have designations, but guys like Antonio Gibson, I was like, you know, is he a running back wide receiver? And I tended to fade those guys because I was like, I just don't know what they're going to do. Uh, and so for me, I created a category, my big board on top of ranking quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends. I actually rank athletes now in a very similar way to some players will get designated coming out of high school recruiting. And Kyle Pitts right now is my athlete one. And I do expect him to most likely get the tight end designation in the NFL, but he's a wide receiver. <laughs> For all intents and purposes, Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver uh, that Florida slapped the tight end designation onto, and they lined him up in line sometimes. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm sure they regretted when they lined him up in line because, in terms of being a tight end, he is not physical. He's not a willing blocker. He's not an aggressive blocker. I've seen him driven off the line of scrimmage by DBs, uh, and I've seen him uh, really engage in some lazy blocking techniques. And so for me, I don't think the NFL is going to love him as a pure tight end. But all that being said, an incredible athlete, an incredible pass catcher, large catch radius. Uh, he's a really creative route runner. I don't love his route running technique, but he improvises very well, which is something he needed to do uh, in the Florida offense, especially with Kyle Trask throwing him the ball. Uh, super reliable hands, and, and like I said, a large catch radius. So I think the NFL is going to like him a lot. Um, I don't usually do uh, any drafts that include rookies before they're drafted and, and their landing spot is, but if I was, I'd be careful drafting him because – I need him to go to an offense where he's really going to be a quasi-wide receiver. And if that happens, uh, you know, the the moon is the ceiling. Like, it is, it, if he ends up in Arizona, oh, my goodness. You know what I mean? Like, all in. You know, give, like, like give him the bag. Throw everything you can at it to get him. You could take him mid-first round in your rookie leagues if you want to. Um, but that being said, if he goes to a place like Chicago – or, you know, uh, Minnesota, he wouldn't go to Minnesota because they have two tight ends. But, you know, for example, somewhere where it's really uh, Cleveland, where it's a run-first approach, and they're going to ask him to block, he's going to have trouble staying on the field because that physicality, it's not there. It's a little bit better in his 2020 tape compared to 2019 tape, but he could have trouble adjusting. So uh, it's, a, it's a cautious optimism with me for Kyle Pitt. Um, he's right now he's 12 on my big board. So he's a first round guy. And that's with a, you know, if he ends up with a, a tight end designation, he's probably going to be sitting right there. Obviously that bumps a little in a tight end premium league. Um, but I'm proceeding with a little bit of caution when it comes to Kyle Pitts right now. That's really helpful. I mean, taking notes here, definitely going to keep an eye on landing spot there and maybe circle back with you on that. Maybe if we could squeeze in one more on tight ends. Is there anyone else that you are excited about in this class? I know a lot of people talk about Brevin Jordan or Pat Farmouth. Any, any other guys that, that you, you like coming out? I'm a big fan of Brevin Jordan. He's 16 right now on the big board, 6'3", mm -hmm. 245. Yeah. Um, he is a more prototypical tight end, um, but has still a high level of athleticism, speeds up really quickly, uh, really nice hands to him. Uh, reminds me a lot of Evan Ingram. Uh, in terms of being an athletic pass-catching nice. tight end. Um, probably still not the best blocker, but he can get the job done. He'll hang, uh, you know, in, in a Noah Fant-esque way, even though I think Noah Fant is a little bit, you know, faster of a runner probably. Uh, and then Pat Fairmuth out of Penn State is a more prototypical NFL tight end, um, can smash you in the face in the same way that Travis Kelsey can smash you in the face but can go down there and, and has nice hands and uses them well and can contribute to the passing offense for sure. Farmuth 6'5", 250, so a bigger build. Not quite as fast, not quite as athletic, but definitely can still contribute, um, especially from you know what we need from a fantasy football tight end. Uh, past that, that's kind of where your tier drops off and you start to just get really into projections. There's some late-round guys like Hunter Long, Matt Bushman, um, Noah Gray that you might get into. Um, Kylan Granson is my big sleeper pick for tight end. But they actually, you know, I'm a little worried about how the NFL is going to see him. They might put him in a Joseph DeGuara kind of H-back type role, which would not be fantastic for us. But uh, Kylan Granson at SMU, former wide receiver at Rice. He moved to SMU and they used him as a tight end. And he, he just absolutely broke out and exploded in that offense. So, if an NFL team does purely designate him a tight end, he's going to be the guy that I get in the fourth round of all my rookie drafts. And it might take a year or two, but I think he would pay off for you in the long run. 
Absolutely phenomenal advice the whole way across the board there, Matt. I mean, we truly appreciate you having having you on here. I mean, when it comes to rookies, guys, you got to follow Matt. you got to follow him at the FF underscore educator. Check out what he's doing over there. Um, and, you know, what we're going to do next is we're actually launching our Patreon program. And we're going to do a small, you know, way too early. Obviously, it's the beginning of January. But we're going to do a top 16, you know, super flex draft. And we're going to jump right on right after this. Uh, if you guys want to check that out again, we're, we're launching the Patreon for you guys. You know, it's not anything we want to put that out there, give you guys that extra content. We're going to continue doing everything that we've been doing, trying to give you the best possible information, the best possible rankings, everything we could possibly do to make you the best dynasty owner. We have at smash except a off season program. I mean, right. We're trying to last week, we talked about trying to not fall into certain dynasty philosophy pitfalls you know we were talking about our resolutions today we're talking rookies you know we're going to continue to do these kind of things but for the full experience you know check it out on patreon um matt why don't you tell everybody where they can find you some of that i mean i'm super excited to go check out some of the things that you've been been talking about but why don't you tell everybody again where they can find you and what's going on this week yeah it's absolute blast i love talking about rookies i mean you know, like uh, we were talking about Najee Harris, you know, I just get so fired up uh, talking about this. And it's a year-round thing for me, which is why I'm really excited about some of these new projects. But Rookie Big Board Podcast is the thing that I really want to talk about. Like I said, literally episode one uh, recording tomorrow for me, so dropping later this week. I'm really excited about that. That's on, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're going to get it, Rookie Big Board Podcast. And then, you know, I would I would also encourage people to check out my Patreon, patreon.com backslash the FF educator. The big thing is you get access to this big board that I've been rambling about. I've been reading off all of these, these uh, tape notes about players. I'm reading it right off of the big board that you get access to if you uh, subscribe to my Patreon, as well as the Slack, as well as uh, Devi Leagues, as well as Dynasty Leagues, all that good stuff. So, you know, those are the two spots that I would really plug. And at the FF underscore educator on Twitter, you know, I try to put out as much information on Twitter as possible too. Just trying to make, you know, rookies in, in Devi and college football, making it as accessible as possible and trying to get more people into it and excited about it because it fires me up. And I think a lot of people would love it. You know, it's it's the next level pass playing dynasty. If you want to just keep going further down the degenerate hole, I'm happy to be the one to help lead you down it. <laughs> I love it. You know, I haven't quite dipped my toes in, in Debbie. You almost sold me on it last year. Um, you know, maybe we get our own team in there and, and kind of get things going um, for Smash Except. But you can find me at Dynasty underscore Dad FF. Find John at Dynasty underscore Trades, and you can find Mung at FFA underscore M-E-N-G. Thanks again for tuning in, and enjoy the process.